Father God, uh, thank you for bringing us together, Lord. Thank you for giving us time and ability to be here. Um, Lord, I pray that you bless us as we uh, listen. Help me, Lord, to get my message across. Uh, help us to understand uh, the topic and to get much out of it. And we pray, Lord, be here with us and uh, bless us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last time Matt uh, talked about, he opened up the topic of worship. He talked about what happens in the church service when we come together. Um, how, you know, Christ, we don't see Christ, but he's actually here. We don't hear him speak to us, but he actually does speak to us, right? And uh, the, the spiritual side of, of our uh, visible gathering uh, church service. Uh, today, I just I wanted to talk about why it's better for us to come together for worship, worship service rather than do it alone somewhere else, like at home or on the beach. Worship together is better than worship alone. How can we glorify God the most? How can we experience the most of His presence? How can we see Him most clearly revealed? How can we get the most spiritual benefits out of our time with God? How can we do the most good to our fellow believers? And what is, what is the best protection from backsliding or apostasy? Where does the Lord do His greatest works on earth? And what is the closest experience to heaven we can get in this world? So, I will be answering these questions by following uh, Pastor David Clarkson's sermon called Public Worship to be Preferred Before Private. Uh, he is a Puritan from 1600s, and what we will try to cover today will be like 5% of the sermon <laughs> that he preached. So in Psalm 87, too, David says, The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the other dwelling places of Jacob. What are the gates of Zion? Gates of Zion is a metaphor for God's chosen place of worship. For the Old Testament believer, it was the temple at Jerusalem, also known as God's holy hill, Mount Moriah, Mount Zion, city of David, city of God, daughter of Zion, or Jerusalem, and also house of prayer, or house of God. For New Testament believers, uh, for us, it is no longer Jerusalem, Mount of Zion, or the temple, but rather, does anybody want to guess? What is Mount Zion for us? I mean, not Mount Zion. It, well, actually, yeah, church, or the gates of Zion. It is the church. It is the public worship. It's the corporate gathering of believers, the assembly of the saints, the uh, congregation of the righteous, who, according to Jesus' prophecy, come together to worship in spirit and truth. God loves the gates of Zion more than all other dwelling places of Jacob. Now, what are the dwelling places of Jacob? It's another metaphor. It's a metaphor for 
personal or private residences of Old Testament believers. Uh, there, the, God's people also worshipped him. Uh, for example, the father would lead family worship. You know, children would learn about what God has done for his people. Uh, there would be, I'm sure there would be prayer and singing and reading of scripture and private devotions. Uh, think of Joshua, what he said. Uh, he said, me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So why does the Lord, the Lord love the corporate places of worship more than the private or private worship or devotions? Is he not worshipped in both places? Don't God's people worship him privately, in private devotions, and when they come together? So why does the Lord prefer one over the other. God prefers corporate gatherings of saints to the ones where two or three gather. And let's go through the reasons why as provided to us by Pastor Clarkson. First reason, the Lord is most glorified in corporate worship. Public acknowledgement of the excellence of and worth of God is more honoring to him. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Paul says, when, when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day, speaking of the final day, and to be marveled at among all who have believed. So the Lord is glorified when saints come together and marvel at him. And are, and are worshiping him together. God is most glorified when his glory is uh, declared by a multitude, by many people together. Remember what it says in, in Psalms, you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon, upon the praises of Israel. Imagine a great king, right? A great, powerful monarch, a royal uh, regent, and uh, he's, he's got this big building, he's got a nice fancy throne, he's sitting on it, and there's uh, two people there, All right, there's two people saying, oh great king, you are so great, uh, what can we do for you? That seemed kind of weird, like hold on, look at all this splendor around you, yet where are the worshipers, where are your servants, where are the people who you rule? Now, you know, that may happen in a Hollywood studio, right, where it's a set and everybody's just play acting. But in, it's not so in real life. In real life, there's a multitude of people. He's got servants. He's got bodyguards. He has people who are there to honor him. So it's the same with, with God. When we come together and worship, God is more glorified. Now, think about places where Christians are persecuted. And why are Christian gatherings in those places forbidden? Because the people or the authorities of that place hate God. If they loved God and wanted God to be honored and glorified, they would promote gatherings, right? They would promote people gathering together to worship and glorify God. Now, this, this is a universal truth. 
that when people gather together for one purpose, there is more glory, there is more energy, there is more uh, honor to, to whatever, for whatever they're gathering for. For example, I mean, it doesn't take a Christian to know this. Any ungodly person knows this. For example, uh, think of a music concert, right? If there's a great musician, they're going to have a great crowd. Uh, think of sports, college football. The greatest teams get the greatest crowds. Uh, think about, for example, a wedding. What is a glorious wedding? Where there's uh, five people there or, or 500 people? Have you ever celebrated your birthday alone? Yes, <laughs> it happens sometimes. Uh, won't you rather have all your friends and family there? No? All right. Well, that example fell flat. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever been to a class where there's a lecture given by a really good teacher and you're the only one there? Bummer, right? It's like, where's everyone else? This is a great teacher. We're, 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 we're getting taught something interesting. Why, why am I here alone? You know? So why would you celebrate the Lord alone? And why would you listen to his sermons alone? Come get, uh, get together with God's people so that he is more glorified. The more they are joined together in praising, admiring, and worshiping him, the more he is glorified. Private devotions may be sweet, but are they glorious? Number two, there is more of God's presence in, in gathering of believers than with an individual believer. God is everywhere. He is omnipotent. Omnipotent? Omnipresent. He is with us individually. Wherever we go, there is God. Right? He, he lives in, in his people. We are the temple of God. But when we come together as believers, uh, there is more of God's presence. God, so, Clarkson gives this illustration. God's presence in private is but a stream, but in public it becomes a great river. How does a great river form? Many streams come together. God has a ditch for it the individual soul, but when we meet together, the presence of the Lord becomes a spiritual feast, a banquet. In Isaiah 25, 6, the Lord of, it says, the Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow, refined aged wine. Is the Lord preparing this banquet for one person or two people? No, he's preparing this banquet for peoples, plural, a great multitude. Therefore, when we come together to worship God as believers in a congregation, in a public assembly, there's more of God's presence. 
Number three, God is more clearly revealed in corporate worship. So, again, it's true that we can learn things about God and get, you know, God can reveal to us His truth when we're, you know, during our private devotion. But God is more clearly revealed when we get together for worship. The beauty of the Lord is appreciated more when believers come together. Psalm 27, 4, One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to do what? To behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. Psalm 63, verses 1 through 2, it says, When David was in wilderness of Judah, he prayed, O God, you are my God, I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land, there is no water. Thus, I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. So when people come together, when God's people come together, God's glory is more evident, right? God is more clearly revealed to us. Number four. There is more spiritual benefit for us in corporate worship. When we come together, there is more spiritual benefit. What does that mean? We are not, for example, we're not teaching ourselves alone, right? We are being taught. We're being served. We are being encouraged. We're being prayed for when we come together. Uh, if, it wasn't, if that wasn't the truth or that wasn't the case, why would Christ give us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Paul says that God gave us those offices and, and, and the people who fill those offices in order that we would be equipped for the work of service. And it's for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. So when we come together, there's more of spiritual benefit. Also, think Psalm 73. Uh, the psalmist says, you know, he begins the psalm talking about how he almost slipped, how he came close to stumbling. He was looking around at the wicked. They had such great lives. They, they, you know, they had the best things in the world. He kind of became jealous and was wondering, why am I serving the Lord? I don't have those things. I am not as uh, provided for. I am poor. I'm, I don't have many friends. I'm not popular. And then he says, when I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until... I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. So he came into the gathering, public gathering of the saints, and then he saw their end. He saw what the wicked, what their, all their ambitions will lead them to. What all, all their success, how it will end. Number five, assembly of believers is more edifying. Clark, uh, Pastor Clarkson gives this illustrations. Think of coals. Anybody like to barbecue or grill? I have a propane grill. 
like coals. Yeah. They're cool, but it just, it just seems like a longer process. Huh? I'm lazy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I like to eat more than I like to grill. Uh, so think of coals. Think of hot coals. It takes a while to heat them up and get them burning, but when you take the hot coals and you separate them, what happens to them? They, they die out quickly, right? They, 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 they were red hot, and now they're black coal. But if you keep the coals together, the hot coals together, they stay hot. They continue to keep one another hot. And it's the same way with believers. When we come together, we can encourage one another. Right? When we, can, uh, when we come together, we can, we can spur each other on in godly living. We can uh, pray for one another. We can keep the fire going. Right? But when we're alone, we tend to become cold. We're prone to, uh, more prone to sin. If we are struggling with something, we're prone to continue to struggle with it. There's less, um, we have less victory over sin in our lives. Psalm 34, 2 to 3. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So when we come together, we should, which actually, you know, I say we, we, we can't encourage each other, but we should encourage each other. Think of it. If you're a hot coal, uh, find somebody who's a cold coal and encourage them, inspire them, motivate them, be like the psalmist, magnify the Lord with me, right? Let us exalt his name together. Number six, there is more security against backsliding and apostasy for those who regularly worship in public. Kind of goes with number five. If we do not gather together for public worship, we're not being edified, and therefore we are more prone to backsliding. We're more prone to apostasy. We're more prone to believing false doctrine, believing things that are not true or not scriptural or not godly. Clarkson says, who f- says this, who falls away from the truth and holiness of the gospel into licentiousness opinions and practices, who has not first fallen away from corporate worship, who has made a shipwreck of faith, who has not first cast the public worship of God overboard. The sad issue of forsaking public assemblies should teach us this truth, that corporate worship is great security against apostasy, a, great security than, a greater security than private duties, and therefore to be preferred. When we are alone, we are prone to be tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Uh, imagine you in a little boat in the ocean by yourself, rowing along, versus you on a cruise liner with everyone 
headed to the same de destination, right? Being protected from the waves and the great winds, and 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 you you have a there's a motor, and you know you're you're secure, and you'll reach your destination a lot faster. As, it, but if you're in a boat rowing, you're probably going to be uh, catches some one of those streams in the ocean and get end up in some strange locations. Number seven, God works his greatest works in a corporate setting. Think of conversions. Think of regeneration. Think of people being saved. When an unbeliever, unbelievers tend to be saved more or come to God more uh, in a corporate gathering. Uh, where, where the preaching of the gospel opens the eyes, their eyes where the preaching of the gospel heals the diseased souls with the word. Uh, psalm, well, before I go to the psalm, you may say, I was saved by uh, listening to a sermon or watching a YouTube sermon online. Uh, that is good. But where was that sermon preached? Was it was the preacher in the closet? No, most likely he was preaching to the congregation. Psalm 107.20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Number eight, the corporate worship is the closest experience we have to heaven. In heaven, there is nothing private or secret. All worship in heaven is in a glorious company of angels, of believers, Listen to this from uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, a heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. You hear that? It's multitudes. It's, it's plurals. Right? There are many gathered uh, to worship God. And so when we come together to worship as a congregation, this is a uh, foretaste of the glory divine. Right, This is the foretaste of how heaven, heaven will be when all of us will be gathered together worshiping God. Public worship is for eternity. Number nine, the greatest servants of God prefer to worship with the congregation. In other words, the greatest believers in the Bible prefer to worship together with the saints. Think David. Uh, Psalm 84, how lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord. My soul longed and even earned, yearned for the courts of the Lord. My soul and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. So we see this in, in Psalms. David, when he's alone, when, he, when he's kicked out from, uh, when he's away from his people, right? When, when he's being per pursued by Saul, he has to flee. He has to be alone. He has to be in the caves. He has to be in the wilderness. He has to be elsewhere besides Jerusalem, besides Mount Zion. He's looking forward to 
coming back. He, he wants to be with God's people. He wants to worship with all who love God and who gather together to honor him. Also think about kings, godly kings of Israel. Uh, when they instituted reform in the nation, they, uh, they were zealous for public worship, right? If public worship was neglected before the reform, they made sure that people, uh, that public worship was, was again a, a thing that is glorious, that where the people get, gather together, people worship God in public. So, conclusion. Our God is a jealous God, especially when it comes to worship, when it comes to his worship, when it comes to worship in general, right? He says, do not worship anyone else except me. Do not expect that God will respect your private devotion if you disrespect his public worship. Think about that. Right? You say, ah, I'm shy. I am, uh, I am antisocial. I will, will stay at home and watch a sermon on YouTube. God is not pleased with that. God is not glorified with that. Why would God choose the gates of Zion to place his name there if he might have been worshipped just as well in the places, dwelling places of Jacob, right? If, if God could have, I mean, if he was satisfied with people worshipping at home or by themselves somewhere, why would he choose Jerusalem, a place to put his name there, meaning the place of worship? To prefer private worship over public worship is to neglect the glory of God, to insult the presence of God, to undervalue God's revealed beauty, power, and glory. It is to hate God's spiritual benefits. I mean, if more spiritual benefits are found in, in a gathering of saints and you forsake it, in effect you're saying, I don't really want those spiritual benefits. It is to not love your fellow believer. It is to be in danger of apostasy and false teaching. It is to hate to see sinners get saved. It is, and again, again, I didn't come up with these, right? Think Clarkson. It is to insult heaven itself. Uh, it is to belittle the judgment of the most renowned servants of God. They preferred it. You say, ah, I'm not, I don't agree. Well, you think you're better than them then. Most of the Psalms quoted, that I quoted, um, were written to choir directors, right? They were not written to soloists. So let's worship our God with one mind, heart, and voice to glorify uh, to the glory of God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And we, wow, we still have 15 minutes. Any comments? Yes, sir.
So Larry b brought up the fact that uh, corporate, the term corporate worship makes it sound uh, cold and uh, unappealing. That it's, it seems wrong to say corporate. Well, it's an old word that means together, gathering, you know, a, uh, people coming together as a, as a group of believers. I thought, I mean, when I think of corporate worship, I... I don't think of a corporation, but I, I could see where you would think that if, you know, if you're not used to or you're not familiar with that, I guess, the old phrase or old word of corporate. But um, is it in the Bible anywhere? Uh, yes, but not, not the word itself, but I mean the idea. <laughs> A church, church, church is not a corporation. It should not be a corporation. I agree with you. Uh, it, that, is, that is kind of the fact. The fact. If you want to grow your church, right, if you want to have a big church and uh, have a lot of people show up, you kind of run, you know, people tend to make, run the church like a corporation. Uh, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. But that's not what it means. It, is, it doesn't mean it's a business. Just means it's a it's a gathering of, of believers. Public worship, you prefer public worship. That's an interesting point, because I I mean he used public worship in, in his sermon, but I thought I don't really use public worship. Kind of like corporate worship, but No, that, that's a great point, Larry. <laughs> Corpus. Yes. Yeah, a body. Corpse is a body. The word corporate it comes from the Latin corpus, body. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, okay. It's still not a good word. A gang is more, or a gang mem member is more, okay, yeah. 
more violent or does more damage to society when they're part of a gang. It's, uh, I mean, you can find it online. Um, we got it from our class at NGA. Uh, there are websites with Puritan um, material. For some reason, they're all escaping my mind. Monergism, I mean, that's a good website. And Clarkson does go on to uh, talk about that, the fact that uh, somebody can say, hey, I feel more edified worshiping alone. I feel more God's presence alone. He goes on to talk about that, and he says, uh, well, God prefers that you do not worship. God prefers that you worship with this uh, saints. So if you feel more edified and more of God's presence alone, something's wrong. Why don't you feel that when you come together to worship with his people? And so he goes on and to uh, make the point that, look, you should, you should you know, check your heart uh, because God loves the gathering of believers and he's more glorified when they come together. How oh, dare you? <laughs> Um, that which you said goes with the fact that God is more revealed in a, a public worship. Uh, right? We, huh? <laughs> that was not, you know, that was easier to say, actually. Uh, but, you know, we, we are supposed to, I mean, the way, the way even the sanctuary is set up, right? Everyone is paying attention to one thing to one thing that's going on, right? We're not sitting around in a circle. We're not, you know, facing each other. We're, we're facing the, uh, the pulpit, right? Um, so that should, the public gatherings are even designed so that you could focus better and get more of your message.
Right. Think, think Elijah, for example, right? Like he does this great deed, or God does this great deed through him on Mount Carmel. Carmel. And, and then, you know, the rain comes and he goes away. Uh, beats, uh, runs faster than a chariot. Um, and anyways, he ends up by himself. He's depressed. He's downcast. He thinks he's the only one left and in Israel, there's no one, no other worshipers, there are no other believers. And God says, it's not true. I have 7,000, right, who are worshiping me and not Baal. Right. When you're by yourself, there's nobody to say, that's not really true, or that's not right. Well, look at the Scripture. This, look at this place in Scripture, right? Uh, yeah, there's nobody to challenge you, your opinions, your, your views. Your... Yep. Become your own church, and then, God forbid, your own religion. Uh, somebody had. Right. And again, that's another thing he touches on in his sermon, where he, he's not, he is not, Clarkson is not saying that we should not worship privately, we shouldn't have private devotions. But he is saying that we shouldn't hold private devotions, private worship, over public worship, over a gathering of saints and believers. And so he goes through all these steps, and he's, I mean, we didn't even go through all of them, but he, he makes more points to, to help us understand that God wants us to come together. God didn't mean for us to worship alone all the time. He wants us to come together. Now, as believers, you know, we right, think of um, Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Uh, where, where should we worship? And Jesus says, well, there, there's coming a time, and then even now, that it, it's not, you're not going to be worshiping at one specific place, right? As believers, we, we're, we're, we're to worship everywhere. I mean, we don't leave church and stop worshiping God. We don't, we don't go home and forget about uh, God's Word or, or, or stop praying. No, we continue. We are, we are right, we're, we're priesthood. We continue um, worshiping God, thinking of, uh, about God, examining ourselves, praying, uh, reading His Word. And that, and that is actually vital to when we come together. It, it makes our gathering together even greater, even more glorious, even more beneficial, even more encouraging. If we didn't worship outside of church, if we didn't see God 
during the days of the week. <laughs> Who's, I mean, well, we would have one call here, maybe, you know, the pastor trying to heat us all up, <laughs> right? He, he's the one who spent time in the Word, and none of us did. And, I mean, right, going back to the, the imagery of the coals, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard to uh, encourage everyone. But if we all do it uh, on our own when we come together, it's, it's a greater blessing. So Clarkson, he was a pastor of a church. Uh, he was assistant pastor of Jonathan, Jonathan Edwards. So when Jonathan, Jonathan Edwards died, huh? Jonathan, John Owen. You're right. Yeah, this was, uh, he was British. John Owen, he, after he died, he pastored that church. Uh, in the 1600s. Uh, does that answer your question? No. no. Yes. Place? Yes. England? England. Britain? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know which town exactly. London? John Owen? London? Oh, okay. So they're basically in the wilderness, spiritually and physically. Uh, I would say pick the best one. Pick the best one and go there. Be faithful. And you're not just being faithful to the pastor of the church or to your fellow believers. You're being faithful to God. God wants you to get together with fellow believers. Um, you know, think, think of the church of Corinth. Uh, you could say, uh, well, I live in Corinth, but this church is pretty messed up. Maybe I should not go to church at all. No. <laughs> Get together with the believers. Uh, now, you know, don't... And, and here's, again, private worship, private meditation, devotions is important. Do it privately so that when you come to a church that, that is not as holy or not as perfect, you can influence them in a, in a way that you can be a better example of, of, of holy living. Because um, if you do not do private devotions, if you're not in the Word on your own, then, I mean, maybe you can come to church and get uh, corrupted. But, no, if you're, it doesn't matter where you are, it pleases God when we come together with His... Uh, Saints, saints are not perfect, but they are um, sanctified by Christ, and God wants us to love our neighbor as ourselves and to worship him together with the imperfect believer.
Oh, 10.15. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you for your comments, and thank you for listening. Uh, let's finish up with prayer, and don't forget to come back for public worship. <laughs> let's pray. Father God, uh, thank you so much for um, teaching us your, um, your truths from your scripture. Thank you for giving us uh, pastors who have preached uh, wonderful truths back in the day, a long time ago. And thank you, Lord, for preserving their sermons so that we, almost 400 years later, can still learn from them and be edified. Uh, Father, bless us so that we would see the glory of your gathering or of gathering of your believers, Lord, so that we would not forsake the gathering of the saints uh, and help us when we go to be, you know, when we leave the gathering of the saints to uh, still worship you and to seek you and that so when we come together, we can be a blessing to one another and so we can glorify you more as a congregation, as a body of believers, a body who is saved, who is sanctified, and who loves um, the head of Christ Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name.